Do you want to know how to build the perfect website? The website that can convert every single visitor into a customer or understand how to construct a website so that it serves the needs of your business. Well, today I've got two experts in everything websites and I've managed to get them to come and share their decades of knowledge with you. Our mission is to help 10 million people start and grow a business for free. We want nothing from you. In Pep Talk, we interview industry leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how and life lessons. That's why we're excited to partner with GoDaddy to power up Pep Talk. I've been using GoDaddy for years and would promote them on this podcast even if they didn't sponsor us. You can use their free website builder and start your online business at no cost and even get help these days with naming your business. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast notes below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. So welcome, Andy and Radu. Thank you so much for joining us. Maybe we could start off by, Andy, could you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Absolutely, Simon. Um, thank you very much for having us on. So myself and Radu are kind of responsible for the two halves of website production. And I think the easiest way that you can differentiate what we do is we take the customer's content and assets, or if they don't have any, we can generate them ourselves. We wrangle it, we shape it. We've got a lot of best practices and the house style that we follow. And we basically create a content brief which we then hand over to Radu's team who actually execute the build and turn that into a fantastic looking website. Uh, Radu, maybe you could talk about this for a second. You know, what, what makes a good content brief? Well, I think for any person that wants to build a website, they should start on focusing on creating a content brief. It gives you the opportunity to um, plan your branding and what of your branding you want to include on the website. It gives you an opportunity to, first of all, set the objectives for the website. Yeah, you can have main objectives, you can have secondary objectives. And in a way, this will give you the opportunity to know how you can measure the success of the website, know how well is that website working for you after you have published it. Then you can go to the look and feel part of the website. How do you want it to look like uh, in terms of style of images you want to use, colors, um, even you can go as far as, you know, deciding on how do I want my content to be uh, written, but Andy can give more details about that, you know, and also, you know, decide on functionality of the website and, of course, you know, the structure of the website, which pages are most important for, you know, presenting yourself uh, on the internet. So, in a way, it gives you a sense and, or it gives to the person building a website for you. Yeah, it gives, it gives an understanding of what you want from that website. How do you want it to look like? How do you want it to work? What is important to you and or more, more importantly to the target audience, you know, to have on the website you're creating. Now, I know everybody these days thinks that building a website is, is both simple and complicated. But I think I wondered if you had had experience with what I would term as the best way of briefing you on building a website? Is it like you just said there, Radu, a very clear end game? Or is it about building something that perhaps links back to the real world? And have you got any good examples of, of sites that you think, hey, these people have really got it right? It helps to work and know the ideas and the plan a person has for their website. Like you can work with them, you can improve on them, uh, develop on them. So um, 
I would say the good content brief, you know, it's something that offers a lot of details and introspectives into the uh, business needs and what that website is supposed to do for them. In a way, nobody, you know, is in the business of buying websites. You know, they have a problem that they want to solve. So understanding every aspect of that problem that they want to solve, you know, uh, uh, it helps the person designing the website, building the website, you know, making sure that they respond to all their needs. And also, you know, when starting work, you know, you don't have to, uh, you won't be unsure of the choices that you make. You, you would know that you're making the right choices because you understand what you have to do. So uh, to give you examples of websites uh, that work really well of that, yeah, we, we, we have plenty. Like when we get it, when we get it right for customers, you know, it's definitely a game, uh, a game changer for, uh, for them. Uh, I think the, the example, the best example that stuck with me over the years were, um, a father and son, uh, in the business of lofts and we built them a website. And after four months, they came to us and said, uh, we have work for the That's next right. year. So generated leads. Yeah, so a lead generation team. Yeah, generating leads. That was it. We understood that they wanted to generate leads and the entire website was was built around that. That was the main purpose of it. Like, how can we generate leads? How can we make people visiting the website engage, you know, and send uh, a message to them so they can get in contact and then, you know, uh, talk about the details and the work they can, they can do for them. Maybe in the podcast notes, we'll put some example websites for people to go and have a look at that maybe demonstrate some of the points you're making. Andy, maybe I could ask you, um, there's a lot of terminology about building a website that, that is interesting. One of the things you read a lot about is shape your tone of voice. Could you explain to the audience listening a little bit about what that, that actually means? Sure. So as you say, you could probably actually do a massive deep dive into this. Um, but for me, it's, and I think maybe the easiest way to articulate this is when you're reading or consuming content from a brand, when that brand is speaking to you, whether it's text on a page or any other form of media, there's an image that you build in your head of what that brand look like looks like to you. And basically, when we talk about shaping tone of voice, it's just understanding, hey, who are the main people that are going to be using your business, right? Because we all offer solutions to things. And therefore, there are people with problems that want to come to us to find that solution and make that connection. So who are they? What are their values? Why do they want your product? And how can you best present your business in their minds to make it seem that you are the right person for that job, basically? So... We can get into some specifics of it. I mean, I, I you know, we've, we've got like the writers on the team. We teach them all about um, you break it down. So a couple of key categories for me are, um, is it going to be casual or is it going to be formal? And I think a really good example of this is the difference between saying we are a business versus we're a business. It can be very subtle, but over the course of consuming quite a lot of content and following the flow through a website, these little tiny things can make a very, very big difference. Um, we also talk about whether or not you want to use metaphoric language or if you want to keep the language accessible. So you need to think about, okay, I understand who my audience are. Where are they based? What is their linguistic competency? Can I start using complex metaphor? Because we know the English language is probably more, you know, we've got, we could be very creative with it and we could be very communicative with it, but we want to make sure we're not alienating people that we otherwise want to include in that, that sort of marketing pitch and the, the language used on the website. Um, and then the last one, I mean, we could, you know, I could split hairs a few more times here but the last one i think is very important is whether you want to be funny or serious um i think a classic example is if you're let's say you're a yeah, divorce lawyer you're probably not going to want to put too many jokes in your content you want to keep things quite serious and professional 
well, some some would argue you probably need a joke in that industry or two to get you through it. But yes, I know what you mean, and I think um, I think what what you're saying, and I I want the audience to not miss this. That when I'm translating some of the knowledge you're sharing there, is that in a way the website represents the business plan. So the the business, it's not just a brochure online. It literally is a, a verbal and 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 physical translation of the business plan and its objectives as a company in a digital format and maybe that's something people overlook when they're just trying to throw up a brochure online that actually even the wording you're mentioning there has to literally link back to how the company talks and how the business thinks and how the business uh, uh, sounds and that's what I'm taking from what you're saying. It's not just the story that you're telling but it's also the storyteller and obviously when you are talking to your customers you are a storyteller even if it's you're selling a product ultimately it is a story that you're you're telling to them yeah well radu we all hear ux and ui and how important this is and i personally have built many many websites i still struggle to know what is good ux and so how do you determine what is a good ux or good ui I do agree. Uh, there is a struggle understanding the differences and in some areas they overlap. Um, what helps me uh, is thinking about UX as um, something related to um, any type of product, service or experience, while UI is specifically to digital products or experiences. Uh, to keep it simple, for example, when going onto a website, if it's looks great but uh it's difficult to to work with it then it has a great ui but a bad ux and if it uh, works great but looks really bad it has a great ux but a bad uh, user interface yeah so the ux is i would say like the backbone of uh, the user journey it 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 uh, it is used for you know just looking at the user journey and understanding the tasks they have to go through you know to be able to solve their problem yeah and that can be on your website or a product or a service it's not specifically related to digital world user um, interface uh, on the on the other hand is focused on uh, not only the looks yeah but um, Types of colors, what do they represent? Uh, icons to show values, uh, buttons, you know how how they look. Uh, uh, the, even the contrast of colors, yeah, is that contrast easy on the eye? Is, uh, for example, if you want to um, have accessibility settings on your website, for example, you know, are are is everything in order? Size of fonts and stuff like that. So. Um, definitely, I would say that uh, you, when we talk about user experience, n naturally and normally comes before a user interface. So you have the you plan the user journey and then you focus on bringing it to life and making it interactive. Oh, great, great share. Thank you for that. If this podcast is inspiring you to start or grow a business, then I recommend you use Taylor Brands. They are our sponsor for this podcast and they help you not only craft a brand, but design merchandise and so much more. In the last year, I've used this site for every single one of my businesses. I couldn't recommend them more. And we've even negotiated a 40% off discount code for you. Just use PEP. P-E-P, -E when using their website to make your booking. Now, let's get back to the podcast. And Andy, I wanted to ask you, a lot of people I know when building a website, they will translate, let's say, what they are as a company and who they are. But of course, 
putting yourself in the shoes of the customer is probably very important. So, so how do you how do you navigate that? How do you how do you how do you? I guess third person versus first person is this is this the model? I'd say that that's that's certainly part of it. Um, so, you know, one of the big things that we always we always do, and, and I think this is something that everyone should really bear in mind, is there's obviously things as a business owner that you want to say. But ultimately, really what it comes down to is what does your audience want to hear and how do they want to hear it? And first and third person is it kind of relates a little bit back to that brand persona, but in in a much broader sense, because actually it's talking about is it like an individual is talking to you or are you talking to a larger entity? Um, so for example, um, you may refer to your business in the third person. You may never say we or our, and then you might have much smaller businesses who say I. And so it's all about how much of a scale of your business you want to present. How big is it? How many people are there? And also again, how professional do you want to feel? Because sometimes let's say you're a baker if you want to only write in third person about your work, it's going to seem like maybe you're a little bit pretentious because that kind of that air of authority may not suit the relaxed and sort of fun nature of the business. So it's all about synchronizing those together. Yes, as someone has built a personal website, I did find myself writing um, myself in the third person sometimes. Like Simon Squibb thinks this it's very strange to to write it that way, but but almost as if someone else has built my website, which um, which I then went back and changed and said I think this and I think that. But it's it's an interesting, I guess, psychology uh, to to think about. Now we all hear this kind of CMS and back end management systems, and you know you should do a blog and keep it updated a lot. Is there is there any best practice on on content? Uh, I guess updates or is there any um, any views on this that might help our audience understand should they do a blog is how relevant is it to you know permanently change the content every week and and so yeah I'd love I'd love some advice on that really I think that falls um, into the category what you do with the website after you have published it so uh, a common mistake that I've seen throughout the years is uh, people build a website, they publish it, and then just don't touch it anymore. And um, I know you've asked in one of your podcasts, what is is the worst website uh, someone has seen? And from my point of view, I don't have one specific in mind, but it's uh, for sure, generally speaking, uh, websites that haven't been maintained, or you can see that content is really outdated on them. So, it's very important to, first of all, know the content management system you're working with. Yeah, some of them uh, are, sell- are managed for you, like they get updated in terms of what happens in backend and all that stuff. Um, automatically, some of them you'll have to go in and make sure you update uh, them yourself. So keep your technology up to date or make sure it's kept up to date. Then when it comes, when it comes to content, um when we talk about the blog part for example yeah the reason why uh it's very useful to have a blog on your website and if it's useful for for the type of of business that you have is that you have the possibility to uh add new content which you can then share on uh, a lot of places yeah to the website so you keep it fresh and it helps greatly with organic ranking yeah because people will come back to your website time and time again because you're adding something uh, something new in terms of um updates to the rest of the website the rest of the content like maybe you want to give it a refresh or maybe you want to change some things to it it's not something that you have to go in and do all the time it's it, it's not it's it's mostly um about you setting your 
uh, key success factors, looking at the user feedback, yeah, through, if it's through tracking, if it's through direct feedback, you know, just understanding what works well on your website and improving or working on improving what doesn't work as you would expect it, yeah. So I think that's the idea. Like design, it's not going to be perfect, uh, or at least really is perfect from 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 the first. The idea is that in web design, you constantly look at the feedback that you're getting, and you're constantly working on uh, improving that and making uh, for a great, you know, experience for for the people landing on your website. So I made a note for myself, and I think my audience should too, that go check your website every two weeks. And, and does it feel fresh when you're looking at it as if you're the customer that you're talking to? And I think that's a good rule, actually. Set yourself an alarm to just go and have a look at it and just make sure it's, it's, it's best that it can be. Of course, there is an SEO element to also keeping the site up to date, right? So that that's something um, people are always asking about. Any best practice on the SEO side? I would say that, you know, first of all, um, SEO... It's not something that's, uh, it's something that takes time, yeah, like improving your SEO. It's not, if you change something, it's not going to immediately improve the things that you want to to improve uh, uh, in terms of how you rank on a search engine, yeah. So it, it takes time. You have to, to prepare yourself for that and know that you might have made the right choices or you have made the right changes to the site, but it's still going to take a while until, until it's visible to you. Then it's super important to look at um, the results that you're getting. Yeah? If you're looking at, um, for example, uh, a lead generation website, yeah? how many leads do I generate since I have launched the website? Can I generate more? Is there something uh, lacking? Or I can look at like... Uh, at things like um, the bounce rate on my website. Are visitors who land on my website uh, leaving the website immediately or are they checking something in particular or are there certain parts on my website where they just, uh, you know, abandon it? Yeah, so I can look at those sections and, and, and try to improve them. But again, you know, I make today the changes. I, I do those improvements, but it's still going to take a bit of time until uh, I see the, the first results. Just to build on that quickly, a fantastic analogy I heard is that SEO is like committing to a six to 12 month health plan, whereas sort of PPC and other options are kind of like liposuction. So you can get an immediate res like result and you can see that. But as soon as you stop going to this sort of artificial sort of, I don't want to say it's hacking the system, but it's kind of getting around doing it organically. As soon as you stop paying for that, you're going to have to fall back on your organic rankings. And that's why we say to everybody, it takes time, it takes commitment, you've got to build on it. So yeah, PPP. You mean was that um, uh, paid search? You're talking about paid traffic? Yes, yeah, pay per click, pay per click. Yes, pay per click. Yeah, for some people might not understand that, uh, but yeah, pay per click makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, just finally, I, I, w I was interested in how you help people identify their key demographics. I think it's one of the things that everyone struggles with. You hear niche down, but everyone ends up niching up and wanting everyone to come to their website. Is there, is there a process you follow to help people understand what is their key demographic? I think so. I think that because, uh, you know, again, it's about telling that story. And I think the the core sort of thing that underpins that story is what is your value proposition, i.e. what does your business do that solves a, a problem for someone? You know, you offer a solution. Ultimately, the reason we go on to Google or any other search engine is because ultimately we've probably got something that we need fixed. So we type in our problem and we look for that solution. So really, people need to understand, okay, 
this is this is the problem I solve. And then they need to start from there and understand who those people are going to be. And I think you get a lot of people that want all the traffic and they want to cover all the bases. But really, it's about just honing in on very specific value proposition that you have and then kind of just keeping true to that the entire time. So we have some questions coming in from our community. One of the questions that's being asked is, does it make sense to buy lots of URLs and have them forwarding to, for example, your core URL? Does that help with SEO? Is that is that a good strategy or is that a bit of an urban legend? It can help, but um, based on, on the changes um, that were made to the uh, Google al algorithm, for example, you know, they don't rank on backlinks that much anymore. So it's not that relevant. We used to see you know, a lot of back backlinks being built and we used to see um, a lot a lot of uh, uh, maybe domain names be being forwarded at, at, at one single one. So it wouldn't be like a, a, a key factor in improving your SEO. What it can help with is, for example, um, you have um, a domain name and uh, there is a, a common way of uh, mistyping it you know, and, and users, you know, landing on a 404 page. So you might want to buy that domain name with the mistypo or with the mistype in it and just forward it to your actual domain name. So it's the same as you would, for example, if you type google.com, uh, it takes you to the search engine. But if you type uh, um, Google with uh, maybe one or, or double L, it will still take you to, to the search engine because they have identified the fact that people sometimes mistype and they would want them to, to, to land there because they know that's where they want to get. So from that point of view, it will help. But in terms of organic rank, ranking, um, it, it, it's not a key factor in improving it, improving it. Such a great tip there. Thank you so much. Well, look, I really appreciate you guys taking time out to share your knowledge with our community. We know you have so much experience in, in building websites and, and supporting people in building websites. And we appreciate you giving that knowledge to us for free today. So thank you so much, guys. Of course, a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Pep Talk. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow The Purposeful Project on all our social media channels where we're giving away even more free business secrets and entrepreneurial value. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor GoDaddy for powering this podcast. From naming a business to buying a domain name to building your website for free, GoDaddy has you covered. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast note below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. See you next time, entrepreneurs. And remember, you're not alone.